a welcome again to Teaching Without Losing It. Today I'd like to talk about classroom management, which is by far the hardest thing to uh, accomplish as a beginning teacher. Um, I teach, again, in a Title I school, which means I have um, a lot of students who are uh, low income. We have also a huge diversity um, population in my school. We have students from all over the world. Um, in addition to local kids from farming communities, housing projects, you name it. We've got immigrants. We have uh, immigrants that just showed up. We have ones that were um, brought here as babies. We have ones that have uh, their first generation American. So um, it's a really interesting mix with a lot of cultural uh, differences. And, you know, wrapping your head around how to best manage a classroom when you have, you know, eight different nationalities in it, for example, can be a little daunting. Um, I've taken some classes over the years, uh, in particular dealing with students in poverty. Um, and I've picked up a few things, uh, just in addition to my own trial and error that I have found work for me. Um, the first thing is that I just had to realize that many of my students are, they're not just going to come to school and behave because quote, they should. Um, this is not 1955 anymore. Um, you know, kids have agency today. They expect to be listened to and heard and express themselves. And frankly, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, you know, kids were really, really, uh, tamped down for, um, generations upon generations. And I think they should be allowed to express themselves, um, obviously in an appropriate way. But, you know, no one on this planet wants to be silenced. Nobody on this planet wants to sit and fume and not be able to talk about their feelings. So expecting that of our students is really rather inhumane, in my personal opinion. So, you know, when you have a student or students who are acting out, they're not complying, um, you know, they've got the scowl on their face, they give you the death stare, whatever... It's important to remember that this is probably because they have gone through some significant trauma in their life uh, and may still be going through some trauma in their life. You know, happy people don't act like that. Um, so how do you bring these kids into the fold, et cetera? Um, well, the thing is, is you're going to have to spend some time consistently building a relationship with kids like this in order to build their trust. Because again, they act the way they act because they don't trust people, particularly if you're a stranger. Um, you know, if they don't know anything about you, you know, you'll, you may notice that if you have a student who, uh, whose older sibling had you in class and has given them the green light, like this teacher's cool, don't worry about him or her. Um, then you're going to have an easier time. But if this is really a, a relationship you're forging from the very beginning, then you're going to have to realize it's going to take a little bit of time and it's going to take some, um, some doing on your part to draw this kid out. So here are some things I've done over the years that seem to work. Um, for one, I, I have routines and procedures that are very well established in my class. I'll give you an example. Sorry, that's my dog's collar. 
Um, when my students come into class every day, we begin class with a speaking activity. Again, I teach foreign language and it's projected up on my screen and they know what's coming. You know, they sit down and the bell rings and boom, that goes up and they start talking to each other. And nobody questions it because that's just what we do. I've never once had a kid ask me ever, is this worth points ever? So, you know, it's, it's just simply something that they can count on happening every single time they come in class. And for low income kids, this is particularly important for kids with trust issues. This is particularly important. They need to have consistency because oftentimes their lives are just utterly chaotic. So when you can make it as consistent as possible, that makes them feel safe. Um, the second thing I would, I've done over the years that seems to help a lot is I circulate around the room throughout a good portion of the class, not the whole time, but I'll often do it at the beginning. And then, you know, when I assign something, I'll, I'll do a circle, you know, circulate around maybe once or twice more. But when I do this, not only am I checking on their work, but I'm also talking to them. So this is my chance to kind of get personal with them. You know, I might say, oh, wow, I really love that sweater. Is that new? Or, um, you know, if a kid's doodling and it's really bad, I might say, ooh, 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 ah, are you taking art class? Because that might come in handy. And they laugh and, you know, so it's not just to check on the work, it's to build those relationships. And I, read, I heard a great tip years and years ago that if you had a, a kid who's super closed off, so much so that they don't want to interact with you. To them, a teacher saying something to them or trying to talk to them is like the worst fate in the world. What you can do then is you can just take a little pad of post-it notes around with you and just write a quick little note on that, uh, on a post-it note that says, um, you know, you're doing a good job and then just peel it off and stick it on their desk. And that way, you know, they, they don't, they're not expected to interact with you. And even those things can make little inroads over time to the point where they will hopefully eventually begin to talk with you back and forth. Um, the next thing that has worked for me is, um, of course, just keeping them busy. You know, problems, behavior problems occur in a classroom when there's too much downtime. And as, as I had mentioned on a previous episode, um, I'll do between four to six different types of activities within a class period uh, on a normal day. And, you know, we're just shifting around so much that they don't really have time to sit and get bored for the most part. So again, try to plan a lot of different activities when um, you have them in class so that they can continue to shift around and uh, keep their focus. All right, and the last recommendation that I have is whenever possible, if you can make your activities very egocentric toward the kids, that will really pull their attention into the activity. As most teachers know, kids love to talk about themselves. And that goes from little kids all the way up to seniors in high school. So if you can uh, design your activities, you know, with the sort of me, me, me mindset, that this is, they're going to talk about themselves. They're going to, you know, an example might be, um, you know, imagine this is something I might do in my, my foreign language class, you know, imagine uh, aliens landed in your backyard, um, write down three things that you uh, would say to them if that happened. 
it can be something as basic as that. So these are the things, again, that have worked for me in my classroom. I've been teaching 25 years. Um, I know that every class is different. Obviously, every teacher is different. Personalities are different. Your dynamic with uh, not, e not just your students, but even period to period in a high school or middle school class um, can be very, very different. So, you know, each class is going to require its own little thing. But in general, um, again, I'm just passing on what's worked for me. Hopefully you have a formula that works for you. And if not, maybe you'll give these a try. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.